Hey gang, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. So excited and pumped to have you here for episode 75 for a number of reasons. Uh, I got an awesome interview with the co-founders of Universal Dialect, uh, but I first wanted to start with, you know, kind of another piece of motivation and inspiration for everyone out there. You know, if you put goals on the wall, you know, try to achieve them. I failed enough in life and kind of half-assed some things and didn't get to where I wanted to um, earlier in life. And I made a commitment to change that. And episode 75 is one of those you know times I can circle that of a huge accomplishment because episode 75 was one of three goals that I had on my bathroom mirror that I wrote on there um, as I entered into 2019. Um, I was at episode 35, so I had to go 40 episodes. And I, you know, folks that have been listening to this a while, I launch about one a week. So had a pretty good chance as long as I stayed consistent and stayed to the process that I could reach 75. Um, and here we are, mid-October 2019, and I'm hitting number 75. So it's really exciting. It's a great testament to obviously just that perseverance, continue to you know, go forward with you know your vision of what you want to do with your life. Um, but also the great guests I've had, people that have taken time out of their day to share their story, to share their journey, um, not only where they've been, what, where they're going. And, and again, hopefully that's inspiring y'all. And then the listeners, um, the feedback I've had has just been incredible. Folks are kind of, you know, rah, rah, Brian, keep going with this. We like the episodes. We like what you're about, the positivity. You know, it's infectious, so keep doing it. Um, so I certainly appreciate all listening. I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity to kind of put the content out and then have it well received. And um, as I always ask, um, you know, if you do like this, uh, let me know. Send me a note on you know Instagram. Email me. Um, leave me a review on iTunes. You can put a rating on there. You can write a little review as well. Whatever will get back to me so that I can understand, hey, here's what folks like. Here's maybe where they want some improvement or maybe want some additional knowledge gain where I can help provide that um, and bring it here on the podcast. So excited for you guys to listen on episode 75 as well as future episodes. So let's jump into it. I got two awesome guests today. These are really the good guys. You know, sometimes you, you meet people in life and you just know instantaneously these are really two genuinely good people. Um, they were very gracious with their time and, and hanging out with them up in Hoboken uh, where we did this interview. And uh, I'm just excited for you guys to listen to their story and what they're doing. Their mission is really incredible. So Sean Casey and Nick Costello, the co-founders of Universal Dialect, and they'll share the story of what they're doing. But basically, their mission is to provide soccer balls to really all different countries throughout the world, um, kids that don't have access to that, access to them. But obviously, the game of soccer is just so relevant and so important around the world. They want to provide that um, kind of the, as their give back. So this is a really cool story. I'm excited for these guys. Um, if you're listening to this early on when I launch it, they're going to be launching um, their business here at the end of October 2019. Obviously, if you're listening to this in the future, um, they've already launched. So go to their website, universaldialect.com. That's the word universal and then D-I-A-L-E-C-T.com. Let's jump into the interview. I'm excited for you guys to listen in. Without further ado, my chat today with Sean and Nick with Universal Dialect. Let's get it started. 
Nick, Sean, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, so it's you. always awesome when it's live. So I'm live, just so everyone knows, in their apartment in Hoboken. Do you pronounce it Hoboken? Yeah. Hoboken, or Hoboken. Yeah. Okay. I'm... Both work. Yeah. Um, so excited really to, and obviously we got connected through the next gen community and, and, and just kind of how this thing works, you know, in terms of uh, kind of networking and those type of things. So really fun to have you guys on. Uh, let's start off if, if we can, because I want to get into universal dialect, the stuff you guys are doing now, but as I always like to do on this thing, let's take a quick step back and kind of your guys, maybe journeys early on. Cause you guys aren't old by any stretch like me, right? So, but what, what is kind of the early days? Whoever wants to, Nick Sean, whoever wants to start with it, just kind of where, where you came from, where you originated, let's start there and then we'll kind of dive into some deeper stuff. Just give some context to the audience. Cool. Um, I guess I'll take this one first and I'm a little bit older than Nick. So. I always, I, sorry, I, I have to jump in. I always call Sean out on being old, even yeah. though he's only three years older than me uh, and he's only 27. 27. Three years older, but four years younger in maturity level. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's why yeah. you start. Okay, so so background. Uh, grew up near the shore area of New Jersey. Um, had various jobs around the shore area. Working for my dad was the main one, so as a carpenter, um, but also as a liquor store associate, <laughs> like one summer. Soccer trainer, uh, personal trainer, waiter, a little bit of everything. Um, went to college, had an idea I wanted to get into business somehow. But, but wasn't too sure uh, of exactly what I wanted to do. And I got in through soccer. All I, all I really knew is I need to get into a good school, play soccer. So got to got into TCNJ. Um, my second year, I had the opportunity to study abroad in Australia. Oh, wow. And when I was there, I actually chose finance as my route. I had a really good class. Um, two really good classes. One was a financial class, which was really interesting. Two was an entrepreneurship class. So it was really, really cool. Um, so I knew I wanted to start my own business, and my major should be finance. And did you have, so you talked about, uh, Nick, we'll get to you eventually. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, did you start, so you mentioned you did a liquor store and stuff like that. Yeah. Was that, did you ever think about like entrepreneurship or starting a business as a path? Was that, did you even know that back in that, those days when you were younger? Yeah, for sure I wanted to. I just didn't know the right steps to take. So my dad is a small business owner. He does a, um, he's a contractor, mm -hmm. does like custom homes. So I always thought that path was cool, but I was going to college too, which doesn't exactly teach you the exact skills you probably need to start a small business. It gives you something, but not, there's no textbook on how to start your own small business, right? Um, but when I graduated school, um, I ended up working at actually Target doing overnight shifts for a while in the management program, which is a really good way to figure out what you want to do quickly because you have to, it was great, but you don't really want to be working overnights too often. Um, and then started studying for financial exams for about two, three years, stopped drinking for three years, um, went extremely, extremely hard, uh, taking different certifications, going to school part-time and just working a, a lot. Um, started two small businesses then, uh, both real estate focused, got my real estate license on the side. Um, that was all just like side, side gig work, mm -hmm. um, while studying and then ran a bunch of marathons, triathlons to stay kind of sane <laughs> and then um yeah um switched over to a, a different job bloomberg so in the financial tech field for three years then switched over to a bank for a year um and then last year went full-time school to finish a master's in financial engineering um and i still have the one real estate company with with my friend and then universal dialect with nick um but UD's definitely the most passionate of those two yeah. um from a paying the bill standpoint and yeah. paying off the loans once I graduate in December, 
I'll be back in New York City working, but uh, the goal is full-time UD. Well, and I, and I like that, Nick. I want to turn over to you on that point, but like, you know, everyone thinks they have to have it figured out when they're mm-hmm. 21, 22. It's the fact that you've done a lot of things, dabbled, and, yeah. and kind of figured it out along the way mm-hmm. of what worked, what didn't, and what have you. So I want to get back to some of that. Nick, let's jump to you. Give me a quick background. Again, where did you grow up? What were you kind of into as a kid? And what were some of the things you were passionate about or involved with? Sure, yeah. Um, so I, I, similar to Sean, I did grow up in the, the Shore area. Um, so in, in central Jersey, um, a town called Freehold. Um, but soccer was my life, like, right? And, and I think the same for, for Sean. Um, but really, it was just like, you grew up playing this game, right? And, and you become so close to it. Um, and it means so much to you. And you meet so many amazing people through it. Um, so naturally, you know, work hard in school, whatever it is to get into college. Um, but on both of our minds, I believe, you know, in, in choosing the college in New Jersey, um, which is TCNJ, uh, where we went to school, um, was, Hey, we want to play soccer at like a high level, um, while going to a great school. Um, so it was awesome because I think it's, it's important to note as well. Um, when I came into the college in New Jersey as a freshman, um, Sean was a senior captain at that time. And that's where we first clicked. Cause it was like. You know, I, I wanted to come in and, and make a good impression, so I was working extremely hard. You know, I've, I've always uh, been trying to put in the work coming into the, you know that that year at TCNJ, uh, and you know, Sean was looking for someone who would be down for five a.m. <laughs> workout <laughs> sessions before our actual practice. Yeah. So that's how we we first became friends. Um, Nick so was definitely down. I was out for this, you know, yeah. and, and uh, I think that's like when we first like had our initial connection. We're like, all right, like this is cool. Like we can build something you know special here um, in terms of the culture and whatnot of, of the program. Um, so all that, you know, working through is, it's a shame when, when Sean graduated, but, um, but I wound up captaining the team for a couple years, uh, in my junior and senior year. Um, but I actually had another, uh, helping hand from Sean along the way because, um, Sean was already working at Bloomberg at the time and I was looking for my first job out of school. Um, and it just worked out that I had landed the internship at, at Bloomberg and got to work with Sean a little bit there. Um, so we've kind of been, you know, in contact since my first year in college, um, always like bouncing ideas off each other and, and working together. Um, so eventually I wound up taking a job in New York city in my second job after Bloomberg. Um, and I was up in Hoboken, New Jersey, which is where we are right now. Um, and me and Sean linked up again, we started playing soccer. Um, and I told him about this business that I had started just six months earlier. Mm-hmm. It was extremely scrappy at the time. Um, and at the time it was just, Hey, I'm, I'm looking for a way to fund the giving of soccer balls to kids around the world. Uh, and we just happened to sell some t-shirts to be able to afford that. Um, Sean's like, wait, what yeah, are you yeah. doing? Let me, let me tell the whole story. <laughs> so, so there's a ton of, um, basically like 77 competitive leagues around here. And most people put like work in the city, play at night. And it's usually people who played in college high level, like right up Nick's alley, like get like a really good 47 minutes in on these games. And Nick played in a game probably scored four goals didn't break his collarbone in this game <laughs> but at the end of the game we were catching up because he just moved to work at, at bloomberg in the city right yeah bloomberg in the city soon to be airbnb in the city and um at the end of the game you threw on a different shirt and i was like what is that and you're like oh it's universal dialect it's this company i'm trying to fund the giving of soccer balls i'm landing on apparel and I think that night you came over to my apartment, and then the next day we we signed basically to go fifty fifty into the business because I wouldn't let him say no. I was like, we are going, here. we have to do this. Yeah. I was like, how can you not tell me? This, this was something that was just. I, like I probably super... had a dad joke with take the knife out of my back. I, I oh, think for so. sure, I, I, I had so. to have two of those. But basically, how it worked was like I I was just like working on this idea. It was super simple at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and when Sean expressed interest, this is like, you know, basically my mentor all through through school. And I know how like hard he works. I know how intelligent he is. I'm like, 
hey, like you're interested in something that I'm doing on the side. Yeah, if you want to come in 50-50, like this thing wasn't really off the ground yet. It was just a concept. Um, and we're like, let's make it happen. So we started to dive in. Um, and it was just super convenient because we were living in Hoboken together. Yeah. What, so you're, the whole idea, so maybe let, let's do this yeah. first. Give the background, Universal Dial, like what, what is it? What's the mission? What's it about? Let's, let's start there. Yeah. And then, because I have a couple of questions on kind of the idea origination. I, but I think you have to go for this one because your story is what really sparked it, right? The yeah. Story? Yeah, we can, we can get into it. So, um, so the, the whole concept behind like Universal Dialect, and, and maybe it's, it's fair to just mention what we do now. Yeah, okay. let's, do, let's do that, and then we'll take a, we'll take a step back. That's perfect, yeah. yeah. So um, Universal Dialect is a mission-driven adventure company, um, and what we do is we sell performance apparel, um, and through that, for every two products that we sell, we give a soccer ball to a kid in need around the world. Um, and we say adventure because when you give a kid a soccer ball, you're really giving them an adventure, right? Because what happens? They put the ball down at their feet and you see this, this movement, this energy, this passion. Um, it's an adventure. And that's what really leads to, to happiness around the world, um, especially through the world sport, which is incredibly um, popular in, in all areas um, around the world. Um, but to get into the, the story of, of the founding, um, I, I went to, it was, this is back in 2008, uh, my, my club team went down to Peru um, you know, with, with some of our coaches, uh, and we started to play teams from all over, uh, the, the Lima area, right? We played like all the way up to, um, the national level. We're like an amazing facility, right? This team clearly had some money behind them, supporting them. Um, but then we also played games on the outskirts of Lima, like two hours outside the city, um, where we were playing on dirt fields, uh, you know, goals with no nets. And, uh, and you can tell like these clubs had, had no money whatsoever to afford like any gear that they need to play. Um, but it was still incredibly fun, right? And we played these, these teams. Um, but there's one specific case at the very end. Um, you know, it was our last game before we were about to head back to the United States. And we played against one of these, these teams, really, you know, a poor team. And um, once we, we played, we shook hands after the game and we got back on our bus. Um, and the team kind of just came and surrounded the bus, just like waving at us, thanking us for visiting the community. Um, and in this like strange moment, um, one of my teammates wound up taking his soccer ball and going outside and giving it to one of the Peruvian players. Um, you can just tell his thought process was like, I have five of these back at home, right, in the United States. Um, what's it, you know, to me, if I give one of these balls, it could really make this whole community happy and they can play with that ball. Um, well, that little event triggered our whole team to get up and do the same thing. And we left all of our gear there thinking, you know, again, we're just going to go back to the United States and we have plenty of this stuff. It's going to mean so much more if it stays here with this team. Um, so that was on the back of my mind and, and we went through that and it was just this incredible experience. Uh, and over the years, um, we both have traveled so much and anywhere you go in the world, especially the developing world, you start to see communities playing with, you know, uh, maybe a bunch of rubber bands tied together or, you know, a ball made out of straw, mm -hmm. um, because the game is so popular around the world yet. Oftentimes these communities don't have enough to afford the only thing you need to play, which is a ball. Um, so it was through that, you know, seeing this all over the world, which is like, we, we grew up with a soccer background. We're like, we can do something about this, you know, and, and by creating a sustainable business around this concept of giving soccer balls to kids in need, um, we're able to accomplish our mission. So let's talk about the idea. Cause it's, I, I like, it's, it's interesting, right? You guys are wearing the shirts right now. Oh yeah. Um, you know, you're selling apparel and those type of, why did you have other ideas of how you would ultimately fund the business and, and to be able to give the soccer balls and stuff? Or was this the first idea? that you started with and you're kind of moving forward with. I'm just curious that idea origination, how did the, how did the early years look of it? Yeah, I think we, we landed on apparel at first because we were just thinking of, you know, a, a very basic need like within the soccer community, right? It's like, if we're not actually creating soccer balls themselves, 
then okay, you look at your options. It's like any other gear that you need to play, maybe cleats or something like that. It's a little too complicated. Um, but we're like, if we can develop a true brand, right, and, and something that people can wear that makes them feel as though they're part of the mission, because really they are. And by buying a single product, um, or you know the way we, we put it, if buy two products for every two products that we sell, um, we give away a full soccer ball to a kid in need. Um, so we wanted a way for people to display that uh, and and to be able to feel a part of our mission. Because um, really, we're nothing without you know the people that are supporting us. And what does universal dialect mean? What yeah. is, what, what's the background of the the origination of the name? Sure. So uh, I mean, Nick Nick should take credit for it, but um, universal dialect is just to say that you don't need a language to communicate with other people. When you go to a different country, you can't speak Spanish in Central America. If you put a soccer ball down, you can play a game with someone else without speaking their language at all, oh, or okay. any yeah. other location. So um, Nick mentioned he went to Peru in that one situation, but he also studied abroad in Spain and Shanghai. Um, and you've been to how many other countries? It's about like 20, 26 20, places. 20, yeah. But mostly you'll find it like anywhere you go, mm -hmm. um, you can step onto a field and play pickup and you don't need a verbal language because you communicate through the language of the game. And that's mm -hmm. really where this like universal dialect concept like Sean was mentioning comes in because it's through like the motion and, and the body language that you can really communicate and connect with people. Uh, absolutely. And, um, I was just touching on the different countries because of your experiences in all those countries, and I'm sure you always had a ball in those locations because, like as you know, for college sports, you're always training for the season, they're getting ready for the next season. Um, I didn't have an experience like Nick in Peru. I didn't go to a location with my team that was, I went to like England, for example, so it was, they had balls also. Um, but my dad, quick backstory, was a professional surfer. So like my family's always traveled once or twice a year to different second and third world countries to surf. Um, but I was always training, so I always have a ball too. So Central America, South America, Asia quite a bit. Um, we'd always have like training gear with us. You'd go and like practice before you surfed, after you surfed on the beach, and kids would come over and play. And you couldn't speak one word to each other besides like in Africa, like jumbo or mumbo, <laughs> like hello and what's up. And you would, you would communicate through the game and then the, the higher order level would probably just be like happiness. Like you see a smile, you're, you're both smiling, you, you get a good feel for each other and you know that everybody's having a good time. And, and it ties into our mission, too, because like Nick was saying, it's an adventure through the game. You give a kid a soccer ball, he can play with all of his friends. It takes him out of his environment. You know, he lives in a third world country. Realistically, we probably can't help out thousands of kids in El Salvador as a startup. We can't provide food, shelter, protection from whatever political situation they might be in at the time. But we can give them a soccer ball, which we fund through a mission, which people can be a part of. And then that soccer ball, they could go and play with their friends, create connections. There's a ton of research into just being happy, how it can um, lead to a higher IQ, it can lead to better social relationships. There's statistical uh, evidence that it leads to a higher income later on. So there's all these like positive benefits that come from something so simple. So I just want to touch on the fact that I feel like we both experienced it firsthand growing up, even when we were kids, like from the age of probably you were 14 on that trip. And I'm sure you even maybe traveled before then, but traveled since I was just about 10. Um, always had like soccer gear with me and always had this experience. It just articulating it now and actually, oh, this is why it was happening. This is why you felt good about yourself or this is why you can actually understand someone else without speaking their language. Well, and I think it's fascinating too, just around like kind of getting to the business or idea side, mm -hmm. like the way you guys are talking. I've had a lot of folks on the, on the podcast similar, but like where your mission is really, if you look at your, that's why I like to take the step back of the background and mm -hmm. how important that is because you guys traveled a lot, each of you. You have a kind of a soccer, fitness, athletic background, mm -hmm. and you're tying that into what you're doing. So it's it it would be odd if you guys said, "Hey, I'm starting a 
insert random yeah. business, you know, of like, right. wait a minute, that has nothing to do with anything. Mm-hmm. Um, like you're doing an app for classical music. I don't know. I'm just making that up. For, <laughs> yeah. Like it wouldn't be in line, but like these align with like probably who you guys are as people and what's Absolutely. important to you. So it's kind of cool. Like, and I think that's a testament to a lot of people out there listening. Like, you know, when you're starting to figure out, hey, what do I want to do for a period of time or mm-hmm. grow a business or whatever, it, you can always look back on what's important in your life. And I think that's ultimately what kind of leads you down that path. If you really just open up and acknowledge it, not just trying to, what does everyone think about it, mm-hmm. but actually like what's core inside you. Anyways, that's a long tangent. So but um, So let's talk about business and working together. So obviously you guys you know, uh, kind of founded the company and mm-hmm. you're 50-50 on this. Talk through a day in the life. Now, Nick, you just quit your job, <laughs> yeah, yeah. right? You just quit your job. So I already, I'd, I'd see, you didn't quit job. your job. You that's right. You quit your former job. No, no, you quit his side gig before. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but let's talk through that. Uh, let's talk through that first. I won't get sidetracked with the other question. But let's, so let's talk through that first. So obviously, how you guys split up duties right now, because you're still going to school, John. You're yeah. doing this full time, yep. I guess. So let's talk through that a little bit and how that's split up right now. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, um, I mean, just as far as going full time into business, this is week number three. Um, so it's it's honestly it's amazing to have you know to be able to dedicate my full time. Right, you talk about how this is like a passion of both of ours. Um, so it's great to be able to put like my full focus into that. Uh, and you can see you know just the momentum that we're building through that. Um, but you know, again, my, my previous background, I, I wound up um, you know looking for a startup job to to start understanding uh, how businesses work, right, and, and how to drive um, drive the business forward. Um, so I landed at a company called Hotel Tonight, um, which was eventually bought by Airbnb. Um, so all the while, while I'm working full time, um, I learned that you know if we just get up early enough and, and you know hit um, a coffee shop in the morning, um, you can crank out you know a few hours of, of meaningful, impactful work that can drive your business forward. Um, call it the side hustle. Um, but then through that, I was able to get the business along with Sean into a spot where uh, it felt good to go full time. Um, mainly because we're ramping up for our launch, which is gonna be at the end of, of this month in October, um, October 29th to be specifically. So we you know, need a ton of like PR and press and, and you know, we need a ton of um, just learning how to sell online, right? And, and bringing people into our community. Um, so all that takes a lot of time and, and that's why we really wanted me to go full-time into the business at, at this point. Um, but as far as splitting up the work, honestly, we, we do pretty much everything. Um, you know, both of us, we don't have like fine rigid lines where say Sean runs product or, you know, I run marketing. It's way more, you know, we, we have, you know, we wear multiple hats across the business um, and we just split tasks based on, on, you know, who has time in their schedule to, to get it done. Yeah. Um, I think eventually that, that will change and maybe Sean can go into, you know, sure. um, where he's at in the, in the business um, yeah. and your position a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think what you said is, is all spot on. And just to add a few more things too, um, you went full-time, right? We did a lot of groundwork over the past year since we've been a little bit over a year now, actually, since you've been full, uh, both in the business. I guess it's been almost two years now since UD started. Um, but our goal is always long-term, five years plus. How do you create a business that's very long-term, not just focused on the next couple months, weeks, etc. So with that, you need certain safeties in terms of you can't have a business that we need to make payroll of some amount when you don't have enough money coming in or orders aren't coming in so we can't fund rent to to live in right so i would say that that's shaped when we decided to have nick go full-time too and how you structured your life to be able to support that with leaving a full-time job that obviously has some income and safety to take something that is classically more risky i know you wouldn't say so it's actually 
Um, you're viewing this as an MBA, I believe you said, right? But um, I think that's a really important piece of it. Like we didn't just launch was coming up and it was a good time to have someone full-time to be fully focused and fully dedicate their time into tackling aspects that you really need to meet people all day and have a full 12 hour, sometimes 16 hour, 18 hour day for Nick. Um, but I would say that we were really smart in terms of, or at least we thought about it a lot in terms of, especially you, you're full-time, the way he had to structure his life so that he could go full-time to start a business that's in startup mode. It's not producing reoccurring steady revenue that you can say, okay, this week we're gonna make on average at least this amount of money. We haven't even launched yet. So I would say keeping that in mind is really important because if you just start a business and you go full startup mode, fully invest it, you have the advantages of obviously being able to invest your full time into this business, but then you also have the drawbacks that you almost lose control. It's almost like getting, I think we compared it the other day, we, we personally, and this is a slight tangent, don't want to get funding for a business. We want to control it so we can grow the way we want to. Um, if you don't have enough assets on the side to be able to support your business, and Nick's worked full-time for years to be able to build up savings and, and be smart about the way he does this, you're not going to be able to have a consistent, you're not going to be able to grow your business, or if you don't grow your business in a certain time period, you're not going to have a sustainable business down the road. So this ties back into your question about why he's going full-time. I think that's a really important aspect, especially, especially for your listeners, because like you're so passionate about this business, right? Like you would live, die, and die UD. Um, but being smart about that actually allows you to create the business for a longer term and make sure there's a lower chance of failure in the beginning when he goes full time for months, years, etc., eternity. Um, so it's, no, that's it's, no, that's yeah. oh, I actually like that tangent. So I want to stick on that tangent for a little bit. We'll go on. The, we'll take the back road for a second. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of folks listen. I mean, the, the reason the podcast is called Just Get Started, and some folks that have been listening for a while, you know, know I've, I've gone on these tangents and talked about this, is really around the challenge of taking that first step and mm -hmm. believing in yourself and, and doing that. So let's say folks decide to do that, mm -hmm. and, and they decide to say, hey, here's an idea, here's something I'm passionate about, and it could just be a side hustle. Yeah. Is there anything, and you guys can both answer this, Nick, maybe since you were kind of working on it for a couple of years, from a... Um, I don't want to use time management for kind of like a habit routine things that you're working a full-time job but also how did you manage not procrastinating and putting it off say oh I'll do that next week or do whatever like to stay focus and here's my vision here's my goal on a time of I'd like to launch can you talk about that a little bit or maybe some things that helped you uh, that could be helpful to others yeah yeah no completely um, so it, it's actually funny because I, I, I view this as more of um, uh, you know a question about structure of the day um, I realized that like with enough discipline in, in building a business on the side, if you have enough discipline to allocate yourself even two to three hours each day um, while you're working full time, you can build something really impactful. Um, so you can really hit the ground running. So in my case, I started this when I was working at Bloomberg, right? And I had a drive commute. So I was, I was commuting maybe like 50 minutes each way, five zero, by the way. So I would listen to podcasts in the car uh, and, and that would like also, you know, get some ideas flowing. Um, but then I also carved out, you know, two hours every single day at night um, to be working on this. That flipped when I came into the city and I'm like, hey, in order to keep this moving forward and, and still maintain a healthy lifestyle, you know, where you work out and, and, and get enough work done um, in your full-time job, it was mornings. So I, did, I just got up earlier. I got, you know, around five and would just work for two to three hours in the morning um, before I went into work. Um, so I found a really good structure in that. Um, and I'm also a firm believer in like true discipline and, and not skipping days. And this is actually something I learned from Sean and all of his studying for different certifications. 
Um, if you let yourself cheat on, on a certain day, you might wind up caving and, and giving yourself an allowance um, so, so you could you know, start to miss more days. Um, so by just saying like, hey, I'm just not gonna miss this, I'm gonna commit to it, and I'm just gonna do it every single you know, work day, for instance, so five days a week, um, was able to make some significant progress over the course of, of working full-time jobs. So you have that steady income coming in, um, and you're also getting you know, uh, about 15 hours during the, the actual work week um, dedicated to, to running your side business. Um, so that was extremely helpful. And, and I wouldn't be able to do that, to be completely honest, if I wasn't extremely passionate about this. I feel like those, those early wake-ups, it's, it's refreshing almost when you're passionate about the gig that you're working on. Um, so that, that, that was another big help in the process. How important is goal setting for you guys? And, and both I'm talking very, very short, like micro short goals and then long-term goals. Do you guys think through that individually as a group? Yeah, we, we definitely think about it as a group. Um, we've probably five or six times have gone over the one, well, probably three months, six months, one year, three year, five year goals of the business, which every time we go over them, they change quite a bit. And that was just due to the nature of us starting and figuring out what makes sense. Um, for me personally, I've had long-term goals in the one to three year range that seemed to be the most helpful. Because now I'm finally getting to the stage where I'm seeing those goals realized and seeing, okay, this has actually led to this happening. I have these opportunities that resulted from me accomplishing this. I don't obviously reach all of them all the time. Um, and that's just a matter of like time management and, and priorities because things change, you adapt. Um, but I think the one to three year goal range is incredibly important, at least to hit Two, two major key plays of Big Rocks, taking from Nick there. Um, you guys are reading Traction or? What's that? These are the rocks. It's, there's a book called Traction that talks about like ro the, your, your rock. Anyways, that's no, a big tangent. No. It's a good it's... book for folks that are run, <laughs> like, running a business. The book called Traction by Gino Wickman. Anyways, okay. we won't go. That's a tangent. Sorry. No, no, no. It's, it's good. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's what it's from. But um, in terms of our business right now, we, we use project management software too. Um, so we have daily tasks, weekly tasks, reoccurring. Uh, monthly, um, longer term too. We we track everything as much as possible, and that's also due to the fact that um, right now I'm in school, Nick's full time, but we interact with a lot with each other throughout the course of a day. I have to go in the city once or twice a week for like part time jobs, um, but we can see each other every day and connect for at least a couple hours, or at least talk over Slack for a couple hours and mm -hmm. understand what the priorities are in the day, week, etc., and link up on them. And especially come lunch, you almost. There's so much coming at us that you know what you have to do. But when I go back full-time to the city to help fund UD and Nick's going to be full-time, um, we're going to rely a lot on project management software to understand what Nick's up to, what I have to accomplish for the week. It's going to be more weighted to Nick doing work versus me, just because I'll have less time. But um, I think that's, that's really important because on a weekly basis, I would say, is how we, we manage it as a business Quite well, like we have weekly key plays that we need to hit. Gotcha. We need to make yeah. sure we hit those. Yeah, I think that's important. That's what you're kind of getting at is that because I again, I I found a lot of people I talk with have these big audacious goals a couple of years down the road, and it's to your point. I think I think you mentioned earlier about like you almost have your cheat day or like hey, and it's like well, I don't have to do this today, and then all of a sudden that that day leads to two days in a week and two weeks, and now. A year goes by, and it's like, oh, I didn't reach that because they never put the steps forward. So that's why I'm really big on the daily goals sure. or at least weekly goals of like, hey, am I on track, yeah. right? Um, and I think project management software, how, what do you guys use? Trello. Trello, yeah. Trello's yeah. been incredibly helpful. Um, you would love the podcast that Rich sent over. Rich Keller, you know, he yep. was supposed yep. to be here too. Former so. guest, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he sent over a podcast. It was Oprah with um, the founder of Starbucks. 
you said the only thing that matters is your next client, next meeting, next, etc. It's nothing else in the future really matters. Yeah. It was, it was an interesting time. It was, I guess Starbucks did pretty poorly after the crisis and he, he stepped back into the company. Yeah. Um, and he talked about establishing that type of framework for the company in general. Now he said he's going to be there for a couple of years before he's, or he told the board he's going to be, you know, helping management team for a couple of years. Um, but that's, that's to your point, like daily tasks, like the next important thing right now yeah. will lead to that end goal. But if you just focus on the end goal, it's how do you get there? There's so many little steps in the way. So doing everything to the best of your ability right now and accomplishing your daily tasks. Yeah. You know, once you sum them up over the course of the week, you're actually in a pretty good spot. Yeah. You've, yeah, you've moved the needle a ton. Nick, I didn't add on that from a goal setting. Uh, maybe things even in your first three weeks different than you were doing prior when you were at Airbnb and you know, having to kind of multitask with throughout the day with that stuff. Yeah, no, I think there's there's two points I can think of for this. Um, the first is like when I first started out like working on the side, um, just developing the idea, goal setting didn't really matter too much to me. Um, I was just so incredibly passionate about this and, and fired up that, um, that you know, I kind of knew the initial steps that I needed to take. Like, hey, like this is how you form an LLC, right? Uh, and these simple tasks is like, all right, I need some graphic design work done. So you're kind of just all over the place. So it was, it was um, any work was good work at that point. Obviously that, that changes as you start to develop like a, a real company. Um, but the most important thing that I think I've learned in, in even the last like couple weeks um, was like, we all love, you know, writing out our to-do list. We all love using software, you know, whether it's Trello or Monday, whatever you're using. Um, but something I, I learned was that um, I oftentimes write down the actual tasks that need to be completed. Um, so for instance, like, you know, plan and book a trip to, you know, Central America where we're going to be doing a lot of our giving. Um, that's something that's very fun for me. So it's obviously not that hard to get started on it. Um, but in the nature of, of your podcast and the name, um, what I've learned is that the first thing to, to accomplishing any of these larger tasks is like, think about the next thing you need to do. The next email that you have to send, the next person that you have to get in touch with, um, the next thing you might have to buy, right, whatever it is. Um, but if you write that down instead of the actual final goal that you need to, to move, the big rock, if you, you know, as you would say, um, that makes it much more easier to get started, to get that ball rolling, to build up some momentum. Um, so that's the, the thing that's on the top of my mind right now. That's, yeah, that's really cool. Actually, I'm going to go on another tangent. We're just going to keep going on these. So let's talk about, because I, I don't want to fail to talk about this, is let's talk about your trips and delivering these balls. Yeah, for sure. Because I got to imagine the impact, not only on their faces, but on you guys as well. Like, yeah. th- can you talk about like a trip and, uh, I, you yeah. guys just went on one, right? Yeah, um, well, I feel like Peru is going to be a really good one to talk about, but uh, I'd say the first big one was Nick in Tanzania in 2018. He went to, he hiked Kilimanjaro and gave out balls to two schools for the Knock Foundation, right? Yeah. And then Peru in 2019, January, was a really cool trip because of the story that you mentioned before. And then I was back in Tanzania helping up two more schools. Um, I killed Majara too because I couldn't let him one up me completely. <laughs> and then uh, Indonesia, we were just, well, I was in two. Um, month ago, two months ago. Um, and how do, you so pick, how do you pick these locations, these schools? How do you, how do you pick these? Yeah, so it's based on connections. Um, because we can go into an area and there's almost a need no matter where you go. Um, you can just show up into cent- pretty much any Central American country. Um, you rent a car and you can, which is what we're actually planning on doing in January um, for the most part. And you, you'll find kids in need, and those are the kids who need it, people who aren't really asking for it, that are just in a maybe not a great situation and love the game but can't play it because they don't have the means to afford a ball to play it and have the adventure that Nick was talking about. Tanzania, uh, Nick is an adventurous person. You might notice the mountain tattoo on his forearm. Um, so he's 
he actually got me to do a couple hikes. We, we did Baker too this, this year, uh, just another mountain in Washington State. Um, he's one to hike Kilimanjaro. So when he was going there, this was in the summer, end of summer of last year. So after we linked up with UD um, to hike Kilimanjaro, which is about a week hike. So we were talking before we went, and we were like, well, Africa is such an amazing spot. There's definitely a need for soccer balls and soccer adventures there. Why don't you try to link up to the tour group that you're on because you have a, a guide take you through this trip. Um, so happens that the owner's wife started, well, her dad started the Knock Foundation, which supports five different schools in the Moshi area of Tanzania, so it's 400 kids. So he reached out to them, they connected him with local headmasters, and then after his, his hike was done, he actually picked up soccer balls locally, purchased them locally, and then brought them to different schools. So that was a good example of, of how we kind of got the connection there. Um, same thing happened with two different schools when I went to Tanzania. In Peru, we actually had one of our former bosses at Bloomberg is Peruvian, his family, friends, his family, friends, um, with this guy named Luis Tapia. Luis Tapia runs a soccer academy in Peru, but his son plays in the Peruvian national team. So an amazing soccer connect. Uh, mm -hmm. So we linked up with him and we actually sponsored a tournament. So we got uniforms and balls in that case because um, we, we typically only do balls, but in that case, it really helped the, the particular community to help them sponsor a tournament. And then in Indonesia, uh, we actually went there to surf. Um, my dad had mentioned was a professional surfer, so he had connections with this one resort in, in Indonesia, in the Medawai Islands, that we've been to once before. So I reached out to the owner of that resort, and we went to the fishing villages that their workers come from. So that's how we kind of found, found our way through the different areas. And then some of the other trips that, well, some of the other locations which we haven't been to, uh, we'll meet the owners of different nonprofits who will actually give physical soccer balls to, and they will deliver the soccer balls to the kids no exchange of money um, to make sure that the gear actually gets to the, the kids. And that's usually a very small portion of our giving. But that's Haiti, for example, would be two nonprofits we worked with there. Okay, cool. If I can just add to that too, I think, um, you know, the, the most important thing um, to, to note on this is like right now, like because we haven't launched yet, you know, we made that pretty clear. We're going to launch at the end of this month. So all of the giving that we've done so far um, is just to, completely, com to be completely honest, it's just out of our own pockets, right? Because like this is something we're incredibly passionate about that we'd be doing anyway. So now we're just creating a business um, to afford the giving of, of these soccer balls to kids around the world. Um, so that's why, like, you know, Sean talks about like a trip to go surfing. It's perfect because he's already going to be there, right? And he can make, you know, all these kids happy by giving soccer balls, by playing with the kids, which we inevitably, inevitably do every single time that we wind up um, going to, to these countries and giving. Same thing with hiking Kilimanjaro, right? Um, we're headed to Africa. It's like this is a perfect opportunity to do some local giving um, and, and really um, just have a great time, right? Like, and that's the most important part about it um, between us and, and the kids. But like eventually, the way we, we see this process going, like as we scale too, um, is identifying opportunities through like you know giving partners. So whether that's nonprofits um, or other connections that we have because we grew up around this game, uh, and and finding a way to effectively get them soccer balls. Um, and and really, our mission is to get as many kids soccer balls around the world as possible. So any that way that we can do that efficiently would would ultimately help us out the best. Yeah, and and it's probably good to note too to your point. Like we've gotten over two thousand kids have benefited from like the soccer balls we give and so that's not with anything coming from sales since we haven't launched yet so that's with our impact which you know we've done the most and we're passionate about we'll do it anyway um, but on full-time school like we don't have an unlimited amount of money to go and do that so you don't need that much money to really make a pretty big impact so as we grow the business it's great because our goal isn't to grow top line for the sake of increasing our profit it's to increase the number of balls we can give around the world and 
we know just based on our experiences over the past two years that we can make a pretty big impact over one ball a day, over a couple balls a day, really, on average, um, of what you can give with just fun to get ourselves. So when we're able to actually grow this, and as Nick mentioned, every two products sold equals a ball, we'll be able to really increase the impact pretty quickly. Yeah. So, so let's talk about, so launching, and when this podcast interview launches, right, it'll be probably a week or two after that. Right. Um, obviously, if you're listening to this in the future, it's already launched. Yeah. Um, but what's the, so we talk about goals and those type of things. What is the next year two years look yeah. like what's your what's your plan over those couple of years that you guys are trying to do from a business standpoint obviously we know about the giving and there may be some things different but from a business standpoint what, how is it going to be set up what can people expect yeah sure. yeah no so this is all about just really creating the brand right and that and that's something that we're going to be doing through the products that we sell um so for one like our our success picture looks like giving as many soccer balls to kids around the world as possible um but by doing this right we're going to need to sell some shirts we're going to need to sell some gear um, and the, the brand that we've carved out for ourselves is like, we talk about this idea of a soccer adventure, right? Um, but our, our community, the people that we serve, um, is often the soccer community, right? Like globally, but especially here in the U S. Um, so through that, we've created products specifically for the soccer community, um, for them to wear and all the amazing things that they're doing outside the game, right? So like, we don't make like shirts specifically for people to go and, and play soccer in. It's like a byproduct of making like a, a really quality shirt that you can work out in, of course. Um, but we want people to wear these shirts and, and feel adventurous throughout their day to day. We call it a daily adventure, right? Um, and by doing that, we hope that people grab life on a day to day basis and, and feel adventurous and be able to pass on that adventure to the kids in need. So like by you know our, our setting goals in terms of like selling product and making sure that we can afford the giving of soccer balls around the world, um, we're also carving out this brand around the word adventure, um, which is incredibly important for us to, to get to that next level um, where we become very well known within our community. Trying to add to that, the, yeah. No, no. no, Nick hitting on the ball. Um, in terms of like operationally, Nick will be full time growing the business. I'll be back at work trying to help fund the business until we could both um, go full time, which I cannot wait to do. What, um, what is the, is there a plan like when you would ultimately like to go full time? Yeah, well, the business has to be sustainable first, so that obviously just there's certain metrics we have to hit to be able to just fund living, like paying rent, etc. Um, nothing crazy at all like we'd be I think we'd both be perfectly fine making as minimal as possible as long as we could work full-time to something we're very passionate about um, but right now the way we split our time once I'm finished with school is I'll be back in the workforce basically trying to fund the business still working in the mornings on the weekends uh, Nick will be full-time and we'll be running the business that way um, I think a lot of what you're gonna see is growing the brand as, as Nick mentioned developing new products new manufacturing runs for products which lead to more sales which will lead to more balls being given and that's how we're, we're yeah. going to approach it. First. And you guys obviously looks like you're really, obviously you're roommates, right? You're good yeah. friends, you get along and stuff. So, I mean, it's obviously that's got to be a fun part to kind of work with oh, your friend. Absolutely. and, and There's always do some that. banter. <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, lots of banter and completely trust him. So, like, yeah. I, I never, um, I think we both have the right mindset where we want to work really hard, but also still have a work, work-life balance, <laughs> quote unquote. Like, there's plenty of this week 3 a.m.s or all-nighters if we're, if we're done this week. Um but then I'm sure like one day this weekend we'll play soccer twice and you'll hang out with Jen and your family or, or vice versa for me. Um, so just like working really hard when you have to and also enjoying life when you don't have to and having the trust where I know Nick's mindset and I've known him all, feels like all my life, but for a good amount of time now where I trust that him full time, he's gonna be doing you know, what he needs to be doing when it needs to be done and having that confidence in someone is really, really important because there's no trust issues at all. 
which could be which would be an issue in business if it was. Can you imagine? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And yeah. I think you know another thing that's really important is like when you talk about like work life balance. Like we've built a business on top of the crossroads of our passions, right? Like uh, obviously this social mission, you know, driven company is something we're very passionate about. Um, also soccer, right? In the in the game, um, and on top of that, travel. So like, these are like three of our biggest passions. Um, so by doing this, it doesn't feel like we're working. You know, like when we're working on this stuff, when we're up late. Um, grinding out sessions it's like hey this is like this is just what we would be doing in our free time anyway um, it just so happens that it's also a form of mm-hmm. of business that can better the world um, so that's really what what it comes down to for us no that's awesome all right so what let, let's just have a little fun for a second we'll see how this works out yeah. so why don't you guys have, so what is one thing people would be surprised to know about so Nick about Sean you have to pick something that People would be surprised to know or be something like a cool fun fact that you like about it. Maybe most people don't know and vice versa. Oh, man. That's... <laughs> oh, this is going to be great. I, so I, I think I'll, I'll go first. Okay, I'll get yeah. my jab in first. But, oh, jeez. Um, no, so I mean, everyone everyone sees Sean like in, in just going through college and whatnot like as like the hardest working person. And it's true. It's absolutely true. Um, but what they don't see is the constant, I'd say... Uh, Reese's that we have that we both <laughs> got there, so I'm gonna move you down. Peanut butter and chocolate. That. Oh like this God. guy is like the fittest guy I know, right? And and meanwhile we have a whole fridge full of uh, full of Reese's peanut butter cups. So I'd say that's the the fun fact about Sean. Oh man! That's... But he, he pulls it off because he'll do like you know triple sessions in a day, and we'll be yeah. all good. So well, I mean Trader Joe's Reese's cups. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's like can't, can't beat it. <laughs> yeah. Well, only now between eleven and five, unfortunately. That's right. <laughs> that's right. For Nick. Let me think. Um, I've never seen someone get so upset about losing co-ed soccer games in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> All right, Which guilty, maybe guilty. isn't too surprising, but, but a very competitive and in a good way type of person. Um, which you would see on the field, but you might not see in like a co-ed soccer game. No, my, my passion carries over to the field in good ways and in yeah. bad. But um, no, I, I think it's, it's, it's fitting. I have to tell this quick story. Um, but... Uh, so I, I've never gotten hurt playing soccer, like never in my life. I've always had the good fortune of being very healthy, um, through college playing at a very high level. Um, and, and even a little bit post-college, um, up until I came to Hoboken and we started playing in all the seven <laughs> side leagues. Um, and then since then, uh, you know, over the course of the last year, um, I've had three pretty serious injuries. Um, so one of, you know, a pretty bad ankle sprain that had me out even through, um, yeah. our, our Peru trip, which was kind of a bummer. Um, but then on top of that, I, I broke my ribs in a co- uh, in, in a seven aside game, and then yeah. I just recently and, and still dealing with a collarbone uh, fracture um, through the same game. So same field every time. It's this beautiful field down in the water on Hoboken. Um, even a nice view of the city and everything. Uh, just bad luck for me. But yeah, Sean, you're spot on with the the coed leaks. Yeah, the co- you just have to stick away from coed leaks. I, I think so. Good. That's part of age too, though. When you get to 36, yeah. you just wait. It's like things start creaking, <laughs> creaking and knees are yeah. clicking. And all that. I'm, I'm scared to see what's going to happen at 36 with you if you keep on this. developing a reputation to be injury prone, which yeah. I don't like. I think it probably has something to do too with the fact you're pulling like two to three workouts a day sometimes and getting four hours of sleep for seven days in a row, maybe. And scoring four goals, <laughs> so the keeper is not exactly occasionally. Happy. Occasionally, yeah. well, I think part of it actually. This is again another tangent, but around I mean, fitness, nutrition. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things I try to t- 
talk to a lot of people about and have conversations when they're like, oh, I don't have the energy to do this. I'm like, yeah, but look at your diet. Yeah. Look at, you know, look how you treat your body. You get one body. I think one of the things we can, I think we'll all agree. We talked about intermittent fasting earlier and I think we're all doing intermittent fasting right now. Right. Is just that if you take care of your body, if you put the right food in, if you get sleep for the most part, right. Mm-hmm. Um, you have the energy to do these extra things and you don't feel like you're just drained when you get home at night or whatever. Would you guys, I'm assuming you guys would attribute a lot of your success in terms of being able to grind on stuff because of your, your health, because of your fitness. Yeah. When, when Nick mentioned I was studying a lot after college, when I, when I was doing overnights at Target, I would say the one thing I was slacking on this, I think ties into your question was sleep for sure. Just because when you get out of work at like 8am, it's like sunny out, you're commuting back home. I was studying then too, and then also playing soccer and working out. And I was very religious about working out a couple times a day, once or twice a day. And uh, over that two year span, I also did like 10 plus marathons, a bunch of Ironmans, played on eight plus soccer teams, like, and I surfed a lot my whole life. So I was always doing something. Um, but that staying active helped me have more energy throughout the day by taking the time for a workout every day. I felt like I had more energy after that workout, even to study for three hours because I would be awake in the morning after going for a run when I when I got up. I also didn't drink for two, three years um, and ate super healthy, like incredibly, incredibly healthy. Not um, vegan or no meat, anything like that, but just watching my total calorie count and staying away from pretty much anything bad, including Reese's, everything like that. Um, I was like crazy religious, so that gave me a lot of energy, but I was lacking on sleep for sure. And I, I definitely felt that. So I was averaging like four-ish hours of sleep a night. Um, just due to my, my schedule at the time. And uh, when I would get eight hours of sleep, I felt unstoppable. Um, but I could tell you that if I didn't do, if I didn't work out every day, eat very healthy, and, and obviously have something I'm passionate about and working towards, um, I would have had way, way less energy. I wouldn't have been able to do nearly as, uh, the same amount of work. Yeah. Um, so let's, we were talking a little earlier about like Tim Ferriss and learning and stuff like that. Would you guys share, is there anything you do to, to just continue to learn? Is there a podcast you would recommend for people or a book or two that's been really helpful um, to, for you guys the last couple of years even? Or? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so love to, to continue learning every opportunity there is. Um, so it's, it's always, you know, listening to podcasts each day. Um, I also carve out now, um, now that I'm full-time, an hour to read each day, um, which, to be honest, like took a little bit of a hit while I was working and, and developing uh, Universal Dialect on the side in, in that free time. Um, just because it's it's hard to also get you know uh, some reading in when you're trying to, to grow the business on the side of your full-time job. Um, but I'd say a, a book recommendation for sure, and, and many of your listeners have probably um, either heard of or read it already, but this is Marketing by Seth Godin. I think like the the one thing that I've been learning and trying to focus a lot of our energy as, as we focus on this next year of, of building this brand is um, is marketing doesn't have to be like sleazy. You don't have to interrupt people. It's about creating a meaningful connection with people and serving a group of people in a positive way. Uh, and Seth Godin does this incredibly well in, the, in this book and carves out this idea that um, if you actually create something with the community that you serve in mind, like we did with our apparel, um, then it's a win-win for everybody involved because we are putting our product in front of this group of people who already want something like that and it will improve their lives. And I think that's the, the beauty of marketing the correct way. Um, you know, you're not uh, trying to, to scam people or, or rip people off, it's this brilliant methodology where you're just providing a, a need for people who want that. So it's, it's all about, um, oh, he has, a, he has a great line about this. It's um, create great things for people who care, right? And that's ultimately what we're trying to do. So highly recommend this as marketing. 
Awesome. Trying awesome. to add anything you're, you're yeah. into, listening, whatever. Sure. Uh, book, Guy Kawasaki, The Art of the Start. You Have you read that one before? I, I haven't. Okay. I, haven't. I, I have it up there. I'll give it to you before you, you go. It's um, That's the first entrepreneurship book I ever read um, when I was in Australia. And that, that made me start my first business. It was awesome. It's also uh, regarding brand. He worked for Apple. Um, so he has like some, some cool insights from there and um, just the general framework and I'm generally trying to help people. It was pretty similar to what you were saying. Like you're not trying to scam people. You're generally trying to provide a value to them with no strings attached. There's no hidden schemes or anything like that. Um, really, really good book. Super easy read. Awesome. So on that note, let's end on this. Is I always like to kind of have like an open forum mm-hmm. kind of thing. Each of you give your own. It could be a quote you live by. It could be maybe one piece of advice of like, you know, something that's been powerful yeah. for you. Sure. That, again, the listeners can take away. Maybe they give them that extra, yeah. you know, dose of motivation. I, I bet I can guess yours, and I bet you can guess mine. Probably. What what would you say mine is going to be? Oh, come on. You got, you got to say it yourself. You're, you're... Well, I'm going to get a tattoo. Um, so nothing worth having comes easy on my forearm. Um, something I'm just like live by, have written down journals. Every single journal... Uh, whiteboard for like eight plus years um if it's hard it's good challenging it means that you're progressing towards something not everything in life has to be of course but i feel in this stage of life when you're passionate about something and it's working towards something that's difficult it's worth it and it makes it more worth it if it's difficult awesome nothing Um, worth that when nothing worth having is easy yeah you pretty much nothing worth having comes easy oh comes easy okay Okay. um it'll be on my forum hopefully next week there you go yeah (laughs) there you go is it is yours going to be this yeah, yeah. Okay, so, I, so I mean, for those who are listening and not seeing us, because we're we're in, all in the same room here, yeah. so it's pretty great the dynamic. Um, but yeah, so mine is is this idea that everybody has a mountain to climb, um, and they have their own mountain to climb, right? And I got this tattoo on my forearm. It's a mountain um, after my trip to Tanzania, and uh, and obviously it's not a, a, a picture uh, perfect Mount Kilimanjaro by any means. Um, but this this idea came to me when I was at the top of Mount Kilimanjaro, which you know, for those that don't know, is is a seven summit. Um, and you know, it took seven days to get up this thing, and I thought that was going to be you know the the best thrill that I've ever had, uh, and it was incredibly fulfilling being up top there. But I was even more excited because the next day after we got down, we we're going to be going to this village and giving these soccer balls to these kids in need. Um, so that's when it really clicked for me. It's like everybody has their own mountain to climb, right? Like mine was climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, but even by by giving these kids a soccer ball, right, in these poor communities, um, they're climbing their own mountain of poverty, right? And and we can just do a little piece in helping them overcome that. Um, so when that really clicked, I, I'm like, I gotta go get this tattoo in some way. Um, so and, and that's that's really what I live by. Awesome. Where can everyone find you guys online? Where can they check out the company? All that good stuff. Yeah. Um, so at Universal Dialect on Instagram. Um, that's where we we're always messing around. We have yeah. some great behind the scenes action of, of what we're building. Um, that's the, the best way. You know, if you're interested in, in sending us an email, uh, connecting with us, just team at universaldialect.com is a great spot to do that. And then universaldialect.com for a website. So we'll be able to buy the gear too in October 29th. Awesome. Guys, this was a pleasure. Thank you so much for being on and uh, sharing your story, man. Excited yeah, for your guys' journey. Thanks so much. Yeah, likewise. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode and look forward to having you on in the next one. And if you do get a chance and you're enjoying this podcast and all the great guests I've brought on, I certainly appreciate it if you guys head over to iTunes, leave me a quick review and a rating. Let me know how I'm doing. It's the only way I'm going to make this podcast better each and every episode. And head over to the website, justgetstartedpodcast.com, to check out everything going on with this podcast and more. Um, You can also check me out, brianondraco.com. Connect with me on Instagram or Twitter, at brianondraco. 
And again, look forward to the opportunity to uh, meet some of you guys in person as I have and as well as connect with you guys online. I hope you have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.